everyone to poke and kush it is friday december 15th and if you listen real close you can hear those sleigh bells ringing we're two weeks are you excited andrew poke it's 10 days well close that's within two weeks yeah yeah 10 days until christmas i'm very excited santa claus is coming to town i've been a good boy this year It feels like there's less Christmas and maybe, you know, I have three kids, so Christmas is everywhere, but it's like, uh, it feels like there's less Christmassy in your faceness this year than usual. And I don't know what that's all about. Is that just my perspective or are you noticing that as well in the world? I mean, it could be April for <laughs> like what it feels. I was shirtless outside earlier and it was fine. Yeah. It's just like the weather. Yeah. And there are a few houses lit up on the street. Uh-huh. But for the most part, it's just kind of like regular cold times. Yeah. I think it's because the magic is gone from my life. <laughs> I don't have any holidays. You don't believe in Santa anymore. <laughs> is that what happened? This was the year? I saw where um, parents are furious that if a, a child Googles, is Santa real? The like Google suggested answer comes up is no. Oh God! So all these parents are like Google. You got to fix it. How old are these kids? You're not supposed. What is eight, nine? What's the Five. year that you're supposed to stop? Uh, for me, it was fourteen. <laughs> I was twenty. I was way. Or... I was. I was sincerely way too old. Well, you were homeschooled, so you were protected in the Santa. Well, I also thought Santa was evil. So <laughs> on Christmas Eve, we would board up the house and stand around with guns to protect us from the demon spirit of greed. Because <laughs> uh, Santa took stuff from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that was the touch in homeschool. And then we realized Santa was Uncle Joey, <laughs> who'd gotten into the peppermint schnapps. He was just going for whiskey yeah. in, the, in the estate. Uh, yeah, man. That. It, How do you feel? I don't know. I'm okay with Christmas. I'm yeah. okay with it. My wife really likes it. My kids like it. Is Hanukkah still going? Ha- I think tonight was the last night of Hanukkah. You... Hanukkah's Awful Jew. Stupid. Hanukkah's, so, so Hanukkah's the ultimate, like, this is literally a made-up holiday in response to Christmas being this time of year. And we need, if if the Jews, if little Jewish kids don't get any presents in December because they don't celebrate Christmas, no one's going to be <laughs> Jewish anymore. <laughs> so we have to have a response to this. I was just thinking in my head, do I have to edit out me saying that you are an awful Jew. <laughs> yeah, thankfully we're not on YouTube, I suppose. Well, the con- we definitely get pulled the down context that. is that I'm saying you're yeah. bad at being Jewish. Yes. I'm not saying you're an awful Jew. Yeah, they're both true. I think they... Whoever, <laughs> it's a homonym. <laughs> any Polk and Kush enemies can have a real filled day clipping this one up, sending it to YouTube. Bad at Jewish. That would be me. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's fine. It, the menorahs are nice, lockies are nice. 
It's not a real holiday, though. It's very much made up. I feel like it's the most real holiday. Well, I mean, it does exist, but it's, I think in it's the... It's got to be the oldest, right? Yeah, but it's like a Hallmark. It's like Valentine's Day as a holiday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like not real. You don't go to temple for Hanukkah. You're saying it's a holiday made up to sell stuff. It's a Hanukkah. It's a holiday literally made up so that Jewish kids don't feel left out by not getting gifts in December. Yeah. That's pretty much, I th- I think that's basically what it is. Okay. I don't ever, you know, Passover's a big deal. Uh, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, those are all big deals. This is like a Hallmark holiday. I feel like Hanukkah takes the, the podium on, on the does. Jewish holidays. That's with- because you always have to say happy holidays, and included in that is Hanukkah. Nobody says happy holidays to you in September when the real Jewish holidays are. No. They don't give a shit about that. September is happy Honda days. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, and then, you know, Passover and Easter, are, I guess, are around usually the same time of Do year. you say happy holidays? No, I say You Merry say Christmas. Merry Christmas only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did see some clip of uh, some guy who used to work for Donald Trump was like on the podium and he's like, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> we can, ever since 2016, we could say it again. I was like, when could you not? Yeah. Was there anybody who ever publicly admonished you? I was like, no one cares. It is funny, though, to see like a Coca-Cola ad with Santa Claus going down a chimney with gifts and candy canes. Yeah. And then it says, happy holidays. It's like, that's Christmas. <laughs> that is Christmas. It's also... He's standing beside the holiday tree. <laughs> the holidays doesn't also have to include all religions. There's two holidays in one week. So There's like, three. Holiday being Christmas and New Year's, that's your holidays. Yeah. That's what I always kind of thought when they, people were saying happy holidays. I was like, they're, I don't think they're including Hanukkah. It's like three weeks earlier yeah. or two weeks earlier. Um, but yeah, that's a whole thing. And then people got mad about that. I don't, I, I, it's just like happy holidays is a very lame expression. But I always understood it to mean Christmas and New Year's and not including all religions. And then it turned out the war on Christmas meant that happy holidays was actually. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, well, now I don't even understand anymore. What are we doing here? So I think Festivus might be the answer for... That's the 23rd, right? Yeah. People are now, like, celebrating that. That's kind of... You think Seinfeld makes any money off of that? I think he makes money off everything that happens. Almost everything. I'm sure they have, like, Festivus poles you can buy yeah. and decorations. I've seen, like, the silly Christmas sweater, the mm-hmm. Festivus sweaters and all that. So I'm sure he's he's doing just fine. Yeah, that seems like a good holiday. That counts as happy holidays. Wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> to the whole Feats of strength where you wrestle somebody, get it out. Oh, man. I hope you timestamp that one for editing. <sighs> <laughs> the whole thing or. There have been a couple of rusty edits on the show. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but sometimes a, we'll just be in the middle of a thing and then there's a cut and you're giggling for no reason. Some time jumping at cars. <laughs> whenever I'm clipping that stuff out, I'm like, they'll just think that their phone messed up. They'll think that the internet went out. I was like, what? Yeah. I, 
certainly uh i i understand yeah uh, and you should all understand you know that's why we don't do things live like my good friend ben mintz who uh has that he's had 12 episodes of his show and now he has gotten kicked off the air twice once for uh, a racial slur and the other one for spoiling like the most important like uh, the biggest like budget and that barstool has both of them because he has a live show. It's like, just don't do a live show. Yeah, the live show seems like a bad option. I was like, it's very easy to cut things out when you say things that are wildly inappropriate. Yeah, which, which we cool. don't. <laughs> We're not cutting out racial slurs and budget talk. It's mostly just me libeling and slandering local businesses and people. Or you, like... Thinking somebody's Chinese and they're actually French, <laughs> that kind of stuff gets on the cutting room floor. Yeah, it's it's worse on the YouTube. Uh, <laughs> pull my. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, speaking of things that are uh, bad, uh, I I went to the Saints game uh, on Sunday, and I have to go again this Sunday because I have a four year old who uh, enjoys. Going to Saints games. And you're not poor. <sighs> Thanks. That's Mickey. Uh, I, I, I am, in fact, well off enough to continue to use the tickets that I have to go to the game. <laughs> he thinks that we're too. Those of us who are, have tickets, if we don't go, it's because we are obviously living out of a cardboard box. Yeah. Um, so I went. Uh, actually, I didn't go. Sorry. My son went. It's bad football. It's very, very, it's very bad. It's as bad a professional football as you're ever going to see. It feels like they're the worst team in the league. Well, I think they, they definitely played the worst team in the league last week, and it was very even for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Young is horrendous. Horrendous. The Panthers have basically quit completely, and the Saints could do nothing for what? Two and a half, three and a half quarters. Yeah. It felt like 10 quarters. That was like a 12-quarter game. Yeah. The Saints blocked a punt. They still couldn't do it. You know, it was like, it was horrible. I mean, just horrible football. I won a lot of money on my Saints ultimate free money bet, which is first drive field goal attempt. (laughs) It's still good odds. (laughs) You think people in Vegas know what they're doing, and then you see that line. They haven't scored a touchdown. They haven't scored, I believe, on the first drive of of a game this season because they missed the 30-yard field goal in that game. Uh, Everything about it's bad. People are booing constantly. Uh, it wasn't as ugly as the Lions game only because the Lions actually scored and the Panthers are v- so bad they couldn't even score. In fact, the Panthers got down to the one-yard line at one point and then they went straight backwards because, I mean, they're... And I, a question came up during the game of who would you rather be, the Saints or the Panthers right now? And I think the answer is the Saints. I mean, they won the game. The Panthers look like they have nothing. Yeah. Like, they look like they literally have nothing and they don't have the first-round pick. Like, that's got to be the absolute worst situation. They fired their coach, like, 12 games in his tenure, like, which I sort of respect of, like, hey, we made a giant mistake. This was a terrible idea. Everything about this is very bad. So that seems to be the only situation in the league that I can say is unequivocally worse than New Orleans's. Uh, but then watching them on the field together, you're like, you know, they're not 
that far apart. They're a couple plays away from being each other. Yet we sit here 10 days before Christmas and the Saints are tied for first place and are probably going to be a favorite in what have four games left. They'll probably be a favorite in at least two of them, maybe three. Yeah, they're playing the Giants. They're playing the Rams, the Falcons, and the Bucks. Yes. Those and teams all are very bad. Yeah, the Rams are not as bad as the others. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Saints entered. I think they, they opened as a six-point favorite. It's down to, I think, four uh, now. I find that to be absolutely crazy. The Giants are not terrible. No, but they do have a quarterback that they like found living in his mom's basement. Yeah, like eating pasta bajoule. You yeah. know, like it's. I find it great that they're having like a Linsanity moment for Italians <laughs> <laughs> with Tommy DeVito as if he's like the first Italian player in the NFL. There's been a, an incredible number of Italian players, but for whatever reason, this guy, because he plays in New York. And his dad is like straight out of like central casting of the Sopranos that this is like the moment for Italians. It's just that's a testament to how boring this NFL season has been. Right. The the biggest stories have just been injuries. Every team's quarterback is hurt except for the Saints. (laughs) Their quarterback won't die. He is hurt mentally. Yeah. (laughs) And emotionally. He he's a fragile little bird emotionally. Uh, he he got the hell boot out of him again. He was terrible for most of the game. Uh, the Saints did not really try to go to Jameis. Taysom was not playing, so that helped in that mm-hmm. they couldn't boo him every time he came in and out of the game. <laughs> it was just a sustained boo uh, as things went poorly. Uh, they got a last boo in because they brought in Jameson to kneel it. That's right. Yes. So that was nice to yes. bring him in and go, hey, we didn't play you the entire game. Yeah. We're going to let you kneel it. Uh-huh. And we're also going to boo the guy that you should replace. That's right. And so they really covered all the bases with that one. Yeah. I just. It's so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating how bad he is. He doesn't seem to be getting any better. Everyone seems to hate him. The best moment of the season, unquestionably, was Eric McCoy almost snapping his neck in half after a third down (laughs) when he screws up again and he clearly just bitches at his teammates every time he's like on the ground. Like every time he's getting hit and he throws a a one-yard pass at the foot of somebody on third and 11 and he's like (laughs) yells at the left tackle as if it's that guy's fault, you know, and pointing at everything. is like it's not leadership. It's just, you know, blaming, passing the blame to someone else. Not to say that he's in, in, you know, completely at fault. I'm sure it's a team effort of why they suck, but he is certainly part of it. And Eric McCoy just snapped, just snapped halfway through the game, and just I thought he was going to rip his head off. I was so excited. I was like, oh, just punch him right in the middle of the field. Just punch him right in the face. That would have been great. It would have been so great if he just broke his nose, like Draymond to Jordan Poole or whatever, uh, or nine other when, guys. When Miritich got punched in the face by Bobby Portis, just like. Right there in the middle of a game. And I thought he was going to do it, but he didn't do it. He restrained. Uh, and I don't feel like Derek Carr learned any lesson from it. He still seems very like aloof when answering questions about, you know, the fact that everybody boos him and everybody hates him. He kind of doesn't 
seem to like accept accountability for it. Have you ever like gotten a job or gone to a job interview and like two questions in, you're like, oh god, I should not be here at all. Yes, and then you just the pit of your stomach sinks because you know that you have to be there for a certain amount of time, uh-huh. whether you took the job or whether you're ending the interview. Yeah, he has to feel like that all the time. <laughs> I know. He's like, oh, I got to go in there and face like you want to talk about like an office Christmas party being bad. <laughs> Imagine the Saints Christmas party this year. I know. They have to invite him. They have to. And apparently he gave all these gifts that I saw Nick Underhill put it out like Carr gave these like crazy gifts to all the players and like. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, man. You make $35 million, and you've made all of their careers worse. <laughs> Every single one of them now is in a worse position in their career than they were three months ago, almost exclusively because of you. And for the rest of their careers, they will have diminished value yes. because of it. Yes, but that giant cooler of Omaha steaks, <laughs> I'm sure, will be delicious for uh, Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, yeah, it was like he get, he got the like <clears throat> grills or something, and and Omaha steaks, and he got uh, Michael Thomas a Rolex, so whatever. I was like, yeah, man, that's he, need, he needs to get gifts for the fans as well. He should he should put like you know uh, a big like box of uh, chicken soup in everybody's seat for and, the, for the instead game. of one of those triple XL shirts that says Rouse's Who Dat on it at the game. Derek Carr should have a box of Omaha steaks and a foot massager in every seat in there. You want to get people to come to the games, Mickey? Yeah. You got to give them an aqua pick. That's right. Uh, or custom made uh, cookies that say, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just... There's no enthusiasm. The tickets were as cheap as I've ever seen for any Saints game, preseason included. There were club tickets for like before fees that were like twelve dollars. I mean, those are two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollar tickets. They were getting sold for like twelve, fifteen bucks on that Sunday of the game. I mean, really, no one cares. Half the stadium was empty. So just like we said after the Lions game, where Mickey Loomis basically alluded to the fact, didn't allude to it, flat out said it, uh, that everyone who didn't use their tickets, it's because they were poor and they needed money. This was not the case. Instead of Lions fans being there, the seats were just empty. The the third of the stadium was completely empty. Uh, There was very little enthusiasm. It was very hard. Um, You know, I'm sure it was hard on the team itself, especially the only enthusiasm that came out was them getting booed. Uh, A bad situation, but... That's all the negative. The fact is they're in first place. Tampa Bay goes and wins in Atlanta on the, at the, in the last minute. The Saints somehow, despite everyone who's ever been a Saints fan, hating this team with mm-hmm. all of their heart and soul, they are just as likely to win the division as they are to not win the division. What about the tiebreakers? They lost everybody in the division except the Panthers. But they still play the other two. Okay. So they they've got those two games in front of them. So if you win those two games, you're 500 in the division. They're 500 in the division. I don't know how that works actually with Tampa. I think they might have beaten Atlanta twice. So I don't know how that would work there. Hmm. But either way, 
they're not going to win we'll, every game. We'll leave game. that to a real podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, like, <laughs> there are a lot of places you can go if you want to learn the facts about the team, okay? <laughs> We're here to tell you that they stink, and it's like a job interview. You're not qualified for it. It's, yeah. It, it, so they're just, I think they're just as likely to win it as not. They're probably uh, uh, as close to 50-50 as I've seen. You have three teams in a, a, a tie. All of them are bad. That came out today, the Saints and Falcons have both already set an NFL record for games against a rookie quarterback, <laughs> and they both have losing records. An NFL record, it's not even, there's four games left, and they've already set an NFL record, and they're still not winning. These teams are horrible. They set another record. Uh, they only had 206 total yards in the in the game against Carolina, and that was the least amount of yards in a victory since Ditka was the coach. Oh, you know, my 25 God. years ago. Yeah. So that was in franchise or for the in entire franchise, league? Oh, okay, yeah. God. It was hard to watch, man. And I sit there and I go, they could probably or should probably beat the Giants. The Rams is a more difficult game, but there's no reason you can't win that. Tampa is horrible. Atlanta is horrible. And Atlanta's at home. You're like, oh, sure. Sure, they can go three and one. If you go three and one and you win nine games, what do you do? They're going to have to keep some of these guys. They're going to feel it. <sighs> this is the ultimate disaster. It's a disaster because that's what's going through their head right now is saying they're going to be able to convince you that this last game against Carolina was okay. The Lions game was okay because they at least didn't quit and they lost by a score against a team that's going to finish third probably or second in the NFC. And then if they go and win three of the last four and are right there, they're not going to fire Dennis Allen. I don't think they're going to regardless. So the question is really like, do you root for the Saints to lose right now in order to make sure these guys get fired? Or do you root for them to win the division, which is kind of the point of being a fan, right? And it's a really, <laughs> in my head, it is a 50-50 crossroads. I can't like wiggle my way through the mental gymnastics of what I would prefer to happen at this point. It's just such a bummer that it has to be Derek Carr and then it has to be Dennis Allen. Yes. Like, I just can't think of two more unlikable people in the NFL. Yeah. This would be, if this team, and it could, win five in a row to close out the season, Yeah, that would be the most confusing, awful feeling in the world. Because five, five games in a row, I think it's completely doable. Sure. I, of course they could do it. Will they? No, they won't. No. But, <laughs> but, but if they did, what would we do? Yeah, but if they won five games in a row looking like they just looked, how could you possibly be excited by that? Like, that was a win against Carolina. I don't think one person was like, who that? Yeah! No. Eat it! Like, it was just like, oh, my God. That was like, you know, watching uh, guys just beat each other over the head with hammers, and whoever was standing at the end just happened to have a slightly thicker skull. It was terrible, and it was uh, very uninspiring in every possible way, but it is a win. I don't think you could do that five times in a row, uh, but I really do think the best-case scenario for this team ultimately is to rip the Band-Aid off and uh, make sure that Mickey Loomis cannot continue this crap next year. 
that he has to fire Dennis Allen. He wants to keep him so bad. Everything he says indicates it to such an obvious level. They know they want they want to be able to get away with just firing the offensive coordinator, blaming the whole thing on the offense and saying that everything's okay. I I just can't for the life of me be excited by the idea of them winning three of the last four, knowing they're gonna or which would turn into four out of five, and knowing what they're going to do with that. Because I know they want to keep him. And it is insane because he is I hate him. I hate him with the passion of a thousand sons. I just, not as a person, just as a coach, I just cannot stand that he is the guy in charge of the Saints. The Saints remind me of Fire Festival. <laughs> yes. Mickey Loomis is the guy putting it on, and Dennis <laughs> Allen is Ja Rule, I guess. <laughs> but it's just like, this guy's a fraud and yeah. a bozo, uh-huh. and he's gotten a doofus involved, mm-hmm. and there's just nothing you can do. You're going to have to eat a cheese sandwich on toast that you paid $100 for because you bought the ticket and the event is happening. Yeah, you're the guy. And Derek Carr is the guy who had to go blow someone at the uh, (laughs) or to get the water crates or whatever it was. (laughs) So is that his job? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was uh, was the best part of that whole documentary by a mile. Uh, Yeah, man, it it is wholly challenging because in most circumstances, it is an easy choice because usually by this point, if you're like, I really want the coach to get fired, I really want to start over, you also, by winning, can't achieve anything. All you can do is like kind of, you know, you watch on Sunday and you hope they win the game because it's like, eh, whatever. But not because they have the division to play for, just because it's better to watch a team win than lose. Mm-hmm. This is not that. They've got a lot to play for. Theoretically, under normal circumstances, if they had a young quarterback and a likable coach and all this stuff, I think we'd all be pretty excited by the idea of the chance they could win the division. I think Atlanta fans are excited by the idea that they can win the division. Yeah, you know, like I watched that game; those people seem pretty into it, and they're they suck too. But at least they're young; they have a lot of weapons. They have they're supposed to suck. Yeah, where the Saints are not exactly, and it feels like the Falcons are getting better, like over year to year, their roster is getting you know, more guys to it while the Saints are dwindling. So that circumstance and this circumstance feel totally different. And I just, I don't want them to win. I think I'm going to, when they are on the screen on Sunday, I will want them to win the game. But as I sit here right now, the worst thing that could happen to this team unquestionably is them to win the division. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I have a grudge against the Saints. I want yeah. them to lose regardless of anything else <laughs> because I don't like how they've treated me. Yeah, I know. And I want revenge. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I know. I've talked to a couple of people who have season tickets. They're like, if Dennis Allen's coach next year, I can't I can't buy them. In good conscience, I can't no. buy them. Like, I don't care if they win the division. I cannot buy No them. one's going to listen to that. They're going to say your friends are crazy. Your friends just want to buy a new yeah. car. Yeah. It's just yeah, exactly there, there's uh, there will be zero enthusiasm for the next season if they go and like claw their way into winning this division. But I, I don't think the I think the Saints are too arrogant to let that go by. And they will under no circumstances fired in a sound if they win the division. And I know that. But would a new coach really solve anything? I don't know the answer to that question. It would be a step in the right direction, which, At least which the Saints have not seen in a while. Yes, yes. So it is a weird uh, month ahead of us. Again, the Saints are four-point favorites. 
Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. It will determine a lot about the final three weeks of the season. Uh, if they can go ahead and beat the Giants, a huge game in the Superdome uh, for the franchise in a lot of different ways. We'll see who we're, 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 uh, we're rooting for uh, at 12.01 on Sunday, because right now I don't quite know. Uh, in the meantime, big week for the Pelicans just happened. We'll recap that, get into what they're go- they got going on, and of course, some local news. Stick around. Right back. Polk and Kush. Are you dreaming of a lush, vibrant landscape that's the envy of the neighborhood? Look no further than the Garden Gates Landscape Company, led by the talented Jesse Edmondson. Their team specializes in crafting outdoor spaces that are as breathtaking as they are functional. With their expertise in landscape architecture design, artificial turf, planting, irrigation, lighting, and maintenance, Garden Gates has everything you need to bring your outdoor vision to life. What's more, in the city of New Orleans... They know that planting can thrive all year round. Yes, you heard that right. All year round. Whether it's the refreshing winter or the sultry summer, Garden Gates is ready to make your landscape dreams a reality. And now is the perfect time to illuminate your landscape with their exquisite lighting solutions and indulge in the beauty of artificial turf that stays vibrant throughout the seasons. There's artificial turf getting put in my house right now. They're ripping up a million dead plants that have taken over my entire front yard they're going to put in a really nice looking artificial turf that i have to do nothing for and you know that's the best gift of all santa rips out all your dead plants and gives you no maintenance to do the gift of doing nothing that's the gift that we've all been waiting for Mm -hmm. the gift of dennis allen has given us the whole year why wait reach out to jesse edmondson and the team today at 504-608-4606 or visit them online at www.thegardengateslandscapecompany.com to schedule a consultation. Let Garden Gates Landscape Company weave magic into your outdoor space today. Pelicans. Yes. Yeah. You've been watching? No. <laughs> That's why they've been winning. That's why they've been winning. <laughs> whenever i watch they lose by a thousand points and whenever i just am like looking at it on my phone or it's playing in a bar they win by a thousand yeah uh the the big storyline right now is like the most overwrought over whatever it's like hey is zion fat again yeah which is a story i'd like to say we broke 17 times Uh, Christian Clark did a good job reporting that, uh, so after the Lakers game, there was a lot of consternation. Zion did essentially what he's been doing the whole year, which is he doesn't get back on defense. He, uh, doesn't rebound particularly hard. And it was just more obvious because they got beat by 40 points in a game that a lot of people in the NBA were watching Mm -hmm. and attending. So it really wasn't any different, but it became a topic. Charles Barkley talked about it. Shaquille O'Neal talked about it. And then Christian reported the next day uh, that the team has essentially been asking Zion to get in better shape. Zion is not listening. That should have been kind of what the story is, which is like, hey, like there's a rift somewhere between the upper levels of the franchise and its biggest star. And instead, the story just became how fat is Zion, which is so ridiculous it's like a carnival game it's ridiculous Stephen a smith is talking about how he knows chefs and he's eating the whole table and it's like that was ridiculous i mean the chefs are waiting for zion to I, come in just 
truly ridiculous, mean-spirited, like... And not like when we do it, where it's funny. Yeah, it was just... No, I mean, I guess it was funny. But, like, it was... And then, like, you know, Barstool's doing drawings of him, like, you know, looking like uh, a blimp, essentially. Like, Mardi Gras going to be ruthless. How many of those, you know... How many floats are going to be, you know, Zion with 100 hamburgers in his mouth? And it's going to be really bad. And I, I honestly, I, I just think people have lost the um, the tether of the problem. The problem is not that he's overweight. He's been overweight for a long time. He's had different. He's vacillated in how extreme it's been. It's probably as bad now as it's ever been as far as his condition. The problem is that he's not playing hard. Yeah, I don't care if he's overweight and he's only playing 28 minutes a night. If in those 28 minutes a night he's actually trying to rebound the basketball, I don't care. Yeah, Zion's best games, he's been overweight in the NBA at least. He's been overweight essentially his entire NBA tenure. He's been awesome when he's been playing. Right. It doesn't matter. What the problem now, like this of this moment, the problem is that he does not play hard at all on defense, and really he doesn't play hard when the ball isn't in his hand on offense. Yeah. And he's less effective going to the rim than he was. He still can be extremely effective, but he's less effective than he was the last few years when he's actually played. Is it because he's got less lift, less explosion, all that kind of stuff? I don't know, maybe. But I know that he is not the player that he was when he was just destroying guys last year. Now you saw against Minnesota, he was spectacular. I think he was angry like, Zion. Yeah, he was like thirteen to fifteen from the field. He basically told reporters to go f themselves after the game. Like that's what we need. Like yeah. that—that's the Zion that everyone wants to see. And we saw some of that at the beginning of the season too, yes. when Zion was pissed off about all the off-season stuff coming into this. Yes. So maybe what Stephen Smith is doing works out for the Pelicans. He's just keeping Zion pissed off. Yeah, and I, I I do wonder how much he cares about it, knows about it, etc. He like, doesn't know anything about it. He's no. he's seen Zion play one game this year. That was the one, and yeah. his writers told him to go with that because it knew it would result in Polk and Kush talking about it, <laughs> and even more views and clicks. Yeah. Do you think Zion cares what other people are saying? Absolutely. Okay. He's too young not to. Yeah. You're just it doesn't matter your emotional maturity. Yeah. If you're twenty one years old, especially if you've been given the key to the castle and are one of the most famous people in the world, uh you you just you're gonna listen to people. Yeah. You you're gonna listen if ninety nine people say you rule he wants to listen to the one person that says you suck. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, you know, it's hurting his feelings. Yeah. And every time he's destroying the rim against minnesota he's thinking christian (laughs) (laughs) steven that's the part to me that uh was so interesting that what should be the story is that pretty clearly there's very people that are very high up at the pelicans who feel like they can't communicate with zion that's a way bigger problem Mm -hmm. than zion's weight a way bigger problem like, that is uh you're going to have to trade the guy kind of thing. The fact that he's overweight really doesn't matter. But it's the fact that he's not, if he's not listening to anybody inside the franchise, which probably includes Willie Green, then it's like, you can't, this is untenable if that's the case. But then he comes out and he dominates Minnesota, who was playing without their best player. Anthony Edwards was out. But Minnesota had the best record in the NBA. 
They came into town. He put on a clinic. They basically walked away in that game. I think the last five minutes weren't all that close. Like, they played great. Then they go to D.C. Zion is out with a sprained ankle. The Wizards are among the three worst teams in the NBA. They come out win that game. Yeah. This schedule is pretty light right now. Uh, so it's going to be hard to tell exactly where the Pelicans stand on things. But I, I don't take that Lakers 40-point loss or whatever as all that indicative about where they are. A lot of people took that like in an apocalyptic scenario of like this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to this team, etc. This shows how far behind they are from everything. It's like, I don't know, it's a game in Las Vegas and they lost by 40 points. Who cares? It's a gimmick game in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed to me like it was a catastrophe on a national level. Like, if you're the kind of fan that is concerned with the world knowing that the Pelicans are good and not being, you know, if you take, like, so much pride in New Orleans that you don't want a team from there to be embarrassed on a national level, yeah, it's bad. But if you just look at it as, well, they lost a gimmick game to, you know, the home team. Yeah, that everybody wanted to see win. Anyway, Who probably did not party as hard as they did the night. Probably before. not. They're they're the Lakers are forty years old. They're yes. not going out. I don't think. I don't think Zion's ability is regressing with weight or discipline or anything like that. I feel like teams are learning how to play him better. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's still got one move. Yeah, you know. But sometimes that's all you need. But I agree. It is a very big chasm, and it should be for people who, anyone who listens to this show, I would assume, is not a, you know, exclusively focused on national media. But it's like... Mostly Newsmax. <laughs> it is a, a chasm in that I would think nearly all of the NBA media people have barely watched the Pelicans. No, why would they? And then, and it's not just the Pelicans. They're not watching Charlotte. No, of course. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like they have no idea... And they, the first game they saw was this game in Vegas. They were all there. Mm-hmm. And you got to talk about it. You know, Bill Simmons was there. Oh, no. I hope Bill Simmons <laughs> doesn't have mad, mean opinions about the Pelicans. Oh, no. what? Like who, he's going to put us in fake trades. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's going to run it through the trade machine. None of it. Nothing. Nothing materially changed in that game. It felt really big in the moment because it had outsized influence due to the fact that so many people were watching it and it was such a abnormally dreadful performance. The Pelicans have a lot of problems. I am not here to say they are perfect. I'm not here to say they are title contenders, but the concept that that was some sort of inflection point in the arc of this franchise is a load of bullshit. It does not matter. That game could not have mattered less. Once it became a 20-point... LeBron is playing as hard as he possibly can. The Pelicans players are throwing up on the side because <laughs> they were out till 6 in the morning at Tau. You know, like, what, what are we doing here? Like, it, 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 that game does not mean what anybody meant. I think the fact they came home and beat Minnesota was a very, very good sign. I think that was a really important moment. And then... To go to Washington and at least, you know, blow out a team uh, without Zion, that's good, too. Now they're going to beat up, should beat up on Charlotte, San Antonio. There's some bad teams coming in here uh, over the next few weeks that they should be able to beef up their record a little bit. And I do think that's an important stretch. 
And then you're going to learn a lot more about this team in January. Mm -hmm. But overall, I don't see... There's a lot of crisis talk. I don't think that crisis was remotely real. Yeah, I mean, the crisis was a PR crisis. Yes. It, it didn't really affect the team. Yeah. If if the Pelicans lost to Golden State by 35 on a Tuesday in November, is anybody talking about it now? No. It has the same consequence Yeah. other than these guys getting more money to blow in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. They got mauled by Dallas at home not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And then two days later came back and beat Dallas. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they're a team that's not going to play consistently. Neither are most teams in the NBA. They're not going to the Lakers lost by 40 points in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. Like it wasn't the end of the world for them either. These things happen. Uh, is Zion overweight? Yes. Is Zion not playing at his best? Absolutely. Is it going to derail? Like, do we know factually it's going to derail the season? No. No, because, I mean, the Pelicans' success has been without Zion. Yeah. End of sentence, period. Yeah. Like, we've seen how good the Pelicans can be without Zion. We saw it last night. Yes. I mean, Trey Murphy looks very good. They get six three-pointers. And Brandon Ingram had 40 points. Yeah, and they're from deep, and they're whatever. And, like, again, I'm not taking a lot away from the same way I don't care that much about, you know, losing the Lakers like that. Yeah. Beating the Wizards doesn't impress me all that much either. And they showed that. Zion or not, they are capable of being a good team. And they're exactly where they should be, which is they're right in the middle of the pack in the West. I think they're 10th right now, but they're two games back of the two seed. So it's like everything's bunched right there. I don't find there to be a big problem. We're gonna They're going to have to figure out a way to stay in the hunt and then try to separate sometime in February and March, which is exactly what we thought. They just have to stay healthy. This is about the breaking point of where they were last year, mm -hmm. where they were a few games better. They were in first place. They were like nine games over 500. Right now they're, what, four games over 500? And then Zion got hurt, and then the season fell down the tubes. So that's going to be what makes or breaks the season, not whether or not Stephen A. Smith thinks Zion is fat. That, I mean, it's just such a distraction. But it ma it does matter to people who follow this team. They really did think that was like a big game. It doesn't well, mean anything. Zion being fat is completely over because of Draymond. That <laughs> like it is. It just is. Like they're like, oh, there's the next thing. We yep. don't we don't care about Zion again. Yeah. Unless Zion like throws somebody off a roof like Shook Knight. <laughs> I, we're not going to hear anything else about Zion. <laughs> yeah, because no one's going to watch him. No one's We're not going to hear anything month. about yeah. it until the play-in. I, yeah. I promise you. <laughs> or if they lose the Lakers again. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's the only... Yeah, if they play a big game against the Lakers and things go very wrong. Uh, yeah, I, you just have to remember that the... Uh, NBA media has the attention span of a tsetse fly. Yeah. Uh, they do not care really about anything except for a handful of teams. And if your team plays against those teams and whether they're good or bad, that basically defines the narrative for most of the stuff that most people listen to. There's a handful of guys out there who watch everything and are pretty balanced and pretty smart. But most of the guys who get most of the oxygen – Bill Simmons and Stephen A. Smith being chief among them. They don't care. And by Barkley, too. Like, they, do you think Barkley's watching every Pelicans game? No. And Zion has been doing the same stuff for 20 games leading into yeah. that. Yeah. They didn't care. So this is, uh, 
hopefully the best case scenario for the Pelicans would be that Zion listens to some very mean comments and takes them personally, plays pissed off. Doesn't talk to Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> plays pissed off and gets himself into a position where he's uh, a, a more complete player by the time you know we, we are moving into January. But I... I don't think overall it really makes any difference. I think they're exactly where I thought they'd be right now. Yeah. I mean, did you expect them to be any better than this? Not really, worse? no. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel completely satisfied with the Pelicans currently. Yeah. There's been ups and downs. I've yelled about it some. I've been I've I've sworn them off for a game or two and I'm <laughs> right back to where I am. Yeah. I think they're fine. The pro- the problem with the Pelicans is me. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, a lunatic. <laughs> I think they're a perfectly fine basketball team. They were probably finished somewhere between 6th and 10th in the West, Mm -hmm. and they can play with anyone. They probably won't beat anyone, but they can play with anyone in the first round. And then you got to make long-term decisions about Zion and Ingram that are way above my pay grade and will be very challenging. But you're going to have to base that on an 82 game sample in the playoffs, each of these little games, I mean, it's almost impossible to tell what's happening right now, but I do like their roster. They're very deep. They've got a lot of guys who can do a lot of stuff. They just need to show they can do it for a prolonged period of time. And, and playing some of these bad teams, they'll be able to rack up some wins, I think, and put themselves in a position where people will be at least interested in them here. And then they have a chance to really make a statement. Yeah, I, I love everybody that I see on the floor except Cody Zeller. But, like, everybody, <laughs> like, brings a little something yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then when they're in the right role, like, I I love the role Najee Marshall's in. I love the role that Jose Alvarado is in. Like, all those guys are kind of fitting exactly where they're supposed to be. The problem is one or two injuries, and then those guys are having to do a lot more yeah. than they're doing now, and that's when the snowball goes the wrong way. That's what we saw last year. But right now, I think the Pelicans are in a really – fine spot i think they're gonna be okay i am unconcerned they gotta get through the new year win like five of these next seven which they probably should and uh and and then we'll have a lot more to talk about because i think we'll have a lot more answers and i think their record will be more reflective of the team they actually are well said thanks buddy uh on that note we will get into a little bit of local breakdown it is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> well, let's see what's in the old mail bag. This one comes from loyal listener Scott K. <laughs> this is from uh, Lance Lambert. Home prices are up year over year. In 38 of the nation's 50 largest housing markets, Hartford is up the most at 11.4%. New Orleans is down the most, 9%. So what does that mean exactly? That means that a house that you bought in New Orleans is worth 10% less than it was a year ago. I thought property was the only thing that increased in value. (laughs) Is it not making more of it? Turns out that when uh, your city is uh, riddled with crime and the insurance costs six times what it did two years ago, that it is uh, hard to maintain home values. So as I've read on uh, 500 different liberal Twitter accounts in New Orleans, 
Home prices, essentially. Gentrification is the reason for all of the problems in the city. Okay. So I guess all the problems are solved. Okay. Because everything's cheaper now. Well, that's good. Right? And then every single business <laughs> that tries to open up a business here or expand gets yelled at. Yes. Yes. That would be. That's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Everything should just go uh, to being worse. As long if we made everything worse then it'll be better. Yeah. That's the mantra that a lot of these folks. So the fact that we have the worst uh, home appreciation in the country right now, you would think that things are getting incredibly better yeah. <laughs> based on that metric. Now everyone's going to be able to afford a home. <laughs> it's a complete load of shit and it's completely untrue. And uh, I just do. I'm wondering if that will hit that part of, uh, of, the New Orleans chatter wherever because it's all it was always that no one could afford a house here because it's too expensive and the property rates are going up so much uh, that no one can afford to live mm -hmm. here anymore. It's like, well, it actually is falling faster than literally anywhere else in the country. <laughs> <laughs> and do things seem to be getting better? N no, no, <laughs> no. And it's because of gentrification. Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, I also Someone should probably send that to the tax assessor because uh, they do not think that the home values are dropping. Is there a tax assessor? Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's got you know he's going off of whatever Zillow tells him uh, from three years ago, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I found that to be kind of an amazing. I also found it amazing that Hartford, Connecticut, is considered a market on the rise. Maybe all the really rich people in New York are escaping to there to Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Huh? Sure. After the after the uh, novel coronavirus, <laughs> when's the last time you heard somebody call it the coronavirus? I can't go to work. I have a case of the novel coronavirus, <laughs> COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, they're I just escaping. They saw what their liberal city would <laughs> turn into. Yeah, so congratulations to everyone who pays taxes on uh, an insurance on a home in New Orleans. It is worth 10% less Man. than it was two years ago. Well, with those property values dropping, you might need to get a free pair of shoes, um, and that's just what Cam Jordan was doing uh, on the edge of the French Quarter Monday night. Uh, Cam Jordan's uh, charity God is Love Foundation was partnering with the Youth Empowerment Program for a sneaker giveaway at a shoe store on Charter Street, and um, people started arguing just after 6 p.m. Yeah. And as most arguments do in New Orleans, it ended with a hearty handshake, and I see it from your point of view. <laughs> I didn't think about it like Counterpoint. that before. Counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, how how bad does it have to be for there to be a shooting at a giveaway for kids, I presume? Yeah, I would hope it was for kids. I yeah, it's for kids. Know. Yeah. I mean, Cam Jordan is the best of us, of yeah. human beings. He's does Great charity guy. every single, I think it's every Monday and Tuesday. He does charity work around the city. He's been to like every school. He's helped so many people. I can't even imagine how frustrating it has to be for him to be doing something out of the goodness of his heart like that and to hear gunshots out front of it. I'm sure it's a taste of reality, which is unfortunate, um, but simultaneously it's like you just hate to hear 
that that guy is dealing with that crap, considering how much he's tried to do in the city. I mean, it's just so... Is there another professional sports organization where the players have been so close to gun violence, like on a frequent basis? Yeah. Like, maybe you don't hear about it. Maybe it's more localized. But Jesus Christ. I like, know. God forbid anything happened to anybody at that event. But can you imagine if anything happened to another Saints player? Yeah. They would be, you know, it could end the Saints. Yeah. Yeah. Which would end New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> that, therefore, the property values would be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually did read something about uh, Ohio State. Somebody was recruiting in Cleveland and the and the coach that was recruiting uh, got carjacked while they were there. I was like, how has that never happened here? I was like, that that seems like uh, something that would happen all of the time. You're going out to recruit some high school randomly in South Louisiana and get carjacked. Seems incredibly likely. So sorry to Cam Jordan, but you know, that it's very unfortunate. I I feel yeah. very bad for him. He seemed genuinely pretty uh despondent about it's a real kick in the balls i mean that i just hopefully it doesn't dissuade him from doing more stuff i can tell you if it was me it would dissuade me from, be like i'm gonna send a check be like, <laughs> how about next time i'll go send a representative with a check and i'll feel pretty good about myself still maybe not a hundred percent good about myself but 90 percent good about myself this is a story on fox 8 did you know that one-third of interstate lights are out across New Orleans? I mean, I do drive in the city. Yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought it was just like bad luck or like a power outage or something. <laughs> and then I started realizing that there were no lights anywhere. None. And I'm like in the middle of the city. Yeah. It's crazy. Like that Carrollton Leaving overpass. Leaving as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> that Carrollton overpass is so... And now it's so noticeable because, you know, it's dark at five o'clock and there's no light on anywhere. You're like, what is what it, what's happened out of these thirty seven hundred lights along the interstates in Orleans Parish around twelve hundred are not functioning. And given the city, it's probably double that yes. because they've got somebody like out there half counting <laughs> the or, representative sample. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just go down a block. Let's see. One of the four is out. What is that? Yeah, right. oh, we got it. All right. <laughs> Looks like about a third. Yeah. This is really, it's. Who's your, is that on the city to fix that? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that will never get done. Maintaining the lights is a duty of the city's Department of Public Works. Oh, DPW okay. farms out the repair work to subcontractors with the latest contract being awarded in September 2023 to All Star Electric. Owned by the guy from Smash Mouth. <laughs> I mean, this is really in a city. The, owned by a yeah. guy with a very large house who probably has no employees. <laughs> <laughs> and is dated LaToya Cantrell for on and off for a long period of time. I mean, combining this with the super fog. Yeah. Like, come on. It, it really is like. That is one of those only in New Orleans. Like any other city you go to, the lights are on. Like that is one of the things in it when you have a long trip on the interstate. You're like, okay, it's very dark. And then like, oh, we're at a city. Here's a bunch of lights. And then you're out of the city. The lights are back off. And only in New Orleans is it like 
Nope. <laughs> There's a mm-hmm. Superdome. That's lit up. Nothing on the street is lit up. How is this even possible? I'm surprised the feds, like the transportation department, doesn't get involved, considering it is an interstate. It's not just like the, yeah. the street lights. Uh, it is, you know, truckers and all sorts of stuff you would think late at night would need them. But uh, I guess they're not going to help. So they're just not going to care. Fox 8 asked a trucker who does not live here, but is a trucker and drives around the country. How often do you drive through a city where at least a significant chunk of the interstate lights aren't working? You don't. Was his <laughs> reply. <laughs> you really don't. You don't see that too often. Just like trucking, you know, you just deal with it one day to another. Oh, man, that's a Tom Waits song right there. Yeah. I mean, when uh, Council Councilman Oliver Thomas said when you hit the city limits, it should be lit up like a city. I think we're out of excuses. And then oh, follow- good. I'm sure he'll fix it. And then following that, there's a whole bunch of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> They say some of it is from DOTD construction projects. We're, we're out, we ran out of ladders. We don't know what to do. <laughs> we're out of ladders. Nope. No people left. They don't have that light bulb at Walgreens. <laughs> exactly. They're out of that model. So we just decided not to deal with it. Well, luckily, the drivers here are safe and cautious <laughs> and go slowly. And They all have an extra light from uh, being on FaceTime while they're driving. <laughs> Sometimes, so the light that's uh, in the cell phone in front of their face is bouncing off and producing light that goes onto the interstate. And this naturally could only segue into Latoya giving a State of the Union, State of the City address. I believe it just happened today. Mm. Um, With two years left in her second term and the pandemic and a failed attempt at a recall now behind her. Mayor LaToya Cantrell says it is time to focus on the progress New Orleans is making. Yes. Two-thirds of the lights work. She calls them quiet improvements. (laughs) This is true. Very quiet. She made the the case. (laughs) Have you flushed your toilet? It sometimes goes down. (laughs) Quiet improvements on infrastructure. Uh Uh-huh. It could be zero of those (laughs) lights on. Exactly. One, one third is pretty good. <laughs> Do you see the street lights as being half on or half off? <laughs> Public safety. People stealing your car can't see to drive because of the super fog and the lights out. So you get your car back. Economic development. We told Voodoo Donuts to go to hell. And we're mad that Blue Oak bought a building that was for sale. <laughs> yeah, for, God, for, I'd like I, I, no more family restaurant. We want alcoholic den of, of cocaine users. That's what we want in our neighborhood. I went to that bar on some of the worst nights of my life. I saw you there a couple times, friend of. I used to go there, too. It was, uh, it was a complete dump full of the most degenerate, people the city has to offer no it was great of course i loved it there's a hundred other bars like that in this city we're not out of dive bars in new orleans like uh, come on we all love parkview but it was a dump and it was bad and the fact and the clientele it attracted are unquestionably worse than the clientele that blue oak attracts and this is the only city in the world people would be like picketing in front of uh like like a place that's going to unquestionably make the neighborhood better 
(laughs) No, we want our old booze bags here screaming racial epithets and doing cocaine on our front porch. You can't even park within like five blocks of because it's just there's like eternal construction around there. So what's a building? I don't know. Who cares? It's it's like. They're always like, you can't put a Wendy's there. That's the parking lot where those people got killed. <laughs> You're going to pave over the murder lot to put in a CVS? This is where people shoot up by the leg. You can't move up. <laughs> I mean, just the, the concept we have to save Parkview, which, again, I love it. I'm, I, I would much rather Parkview be there than Blue Oak as a person. I'm not going to go protest to keep the, the absolute piece of shit bar to, you know, that has like, you know, uh, pictures of beer and guys falling down. They do not have pictures of beer. Oh, they have the uh, you, the coins. You've never been. The coins, right? The wooden yeah. coins. Yeah. So you you buy a pitcher, but instead of getting a pitcher, you get little wooden coins. You get pogs. Yeah, that you get. And, then and you, you keep them, them in your car for years. <laughs> I give them out at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great system. A, a true uh, dump. A true dump and a real magnet of bad humans, us included. So congrats for protesting on it. Literally would not happen anywhere else in the world. That is one of those things I do legitimately love about New Orleans. Truly hilarious that anyone who lives in that neighborhood would want that bar to be there <laughs> instead, instead of like a family restaurant. There's not another city in the world where people would <laughs> choose to have the like the rampant full of alcoholics instead of the family restaurant next door. It's like a reverse Disney movie. Yes. <laughs> it is You want to uh, have Moe's Tavern there <laughs> yeah. instead of Krusty Burger. Yes. Oh God. Anything else? We're all good? She said that she experienced trauma. We were talking about LaToya Cantrell 28 minutes oh, yeah. ago. She has said that she experienced traumas in way that I realize and trauma in ways that I have not. This is about the state of the city. Oh, God. She, I can't even, like... Can we do a GoFundMe for her <laughs> to get, like, better help? Can we get better help to sponsor the show? <laughs> And then we can give her a promo code. Did she not get therapy on those flights overseas? No, that would be another ten thousand. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, thanks everyone for listening. We love each and every one of you. Please email polkingcush at gmail dot com. Follow us on X at polkingcush. We will be back next week. Please support Crescent Canna and the Garden Gate Landscape Company. We love each and every one of you. Talk to you soon. See ya.